Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm, of course, your host, Pastor Brad Gray. I serve as the senior pastor of Stonington Baptist Church right here in central Pennsylvania in the little city of Paxinus. Uh, I guess technically it's not a city, but uh, even still, I'm glad to be with you. Uh, it has been a day. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I have been able to uh, get uh, on the podcast and uh, be able to record and just share some of my thoughts with you. Um, it's, man, I didn't even remember when I re- released the last show, but uh, hopefully you're still around. <laughs> um, hopefully you uh, haven't uh, thought that I went went away. I haven't gone away. Uh, just uh, was uh, dealing with vacation preparation and then vacation recovery. <laughs> it's, uh, both of those things have combined to preclude me from from chatting with you. And, uh, but I'm really glad to uh, be here. I'm glad to be recording again. I'm glad to be able to uh, come into your ear holes <laughs> and uh, just share uh, some of the things that I've been learning and reflecting on. Uh, as I like to say around here at Stonington, uh, that I like to chew on. Uh, these are things that have really been uh, just on my mind, and I just can't wait to share with them. And they're things that I was hoping to share with you a lot sooner than now. But uh, nonetheless, here we are. Uh, you a couple of housekeeping things right off the bat. Uh, you may have noticed a drastic shift in, in my online presence, so to speak. <laughs> uh, if you go to graceupongrace.net, you won't see the normal things that you are used to seeing, perhaps. Uh, that's because I'm in the middle of transitioning all of sort of my archives and all of my online presence really over to my new sort of home, which is pastorbrad.substack.com. Uh, I'm in the middle of transferring all of my nearly 1,000 uh, posts um, from my blog over there. So, um, and this is all in, in in keeping with something that I've been really. Struggling is not the right word, but just wrestling with, which is just sort of the why question of online social media 
and all those sorts of things that go along with it. And I really just came to a reckoning, so to speak, and just I really believe um, that I just want to simplify what I'm doing. So I'm going to be really just focusing a little bit more on just writing and, and those sorts of things. The podcast, of course, is staying, but uh, some of the other places where I was, uh, you know, sharing myself, so to speak, um, those are going away. Instagram, Facebook, and all that kind of stuff. I'm sort of trying to compose a, a an article that kind of delineates all this. I've been listening to a couple podcasts, and you know, I I've been inspired to do this for a long time. This isn't um, this isn't a whim a whim thing. This isn't some like fly by the moment thing where I'm just, you know, saying to heck with all social media. It's more just uh, I'm trying to just, again, simplify my life a little bit. And I'm really hoping that this venture does that um, just in terms of what I share, but also how I share it. Um, I, I hope it brings a little bit more sense of cohesion. Um, and, you know, I think for a lot of people, um, the the gloss of social media has fully uh, been worn off. As it hasn't been worn off already, maybe you're just wearing really good glasses. I don't know. But uh, I think what the pandemic at least has done for me is greatly revealed my own sort of addictions to uh, social media. And addiction is probably too strong of a word, but you know, they talk about social media addiction all the time. So, um, but just, I think that it leads me to believe that I'm not y- using my time wisely, but also that I'm missing the little moments that are all around me uh, because of uh, these platforms when I should be, you know, per, per se uh, with, with my family or whatever, I'm, you know, looking at Jane, uh, Jane and John Doe's vacation uh, that they just took to somewhere. So uh, it's just a really weird reality. Um, but anyways, I hope to share more of my thoughts on that really soon. Um, but I've just, uh, just anyways, all that to say is uh, make sure you go follow me over on Substack if you want to. If you don't want to, that's fine too. Um, but it's pastorbrad.substack.com. I'm really liking the way I'm able to uh, sort of start on that platform. So hopefully you'll enjoy it too. Uh, and hopefully I continue, I can continue being an encouragement to you, uh, and just, uh, continue, uh, helping or, or aiding or just uh, inspiring your devotional life. And, and hopefully that's, that's really, really aim to do. It's, I, I want to work out my own theology. <laughs> that's really what I started this blog for in the first place. Um, and, uh, I'm really glad that I get to do that, but I also want to be an inspiration to others too who are, uh, you know, on this sort of this you know cliched faith journey. Uh, wherever you are uh, in your sort of walk with God, I want to be there beside you and hopefully be able to encourage you uh, in, uh, in, a, in an assortment of different ways. And so, anyways, that's what I hope to do. So, uh, PastorBrad.substack.com um, soon, very soon, uh, that'll be GraceUponGrace.net still. So. Uh, regardless, um, thank you so much for all of your thoughts and comments and prayers and considerations. You, uh, any of you who are listening that continue to um, give me good uh, and well, just any feedback really, uh, you've been helpful to me and an encouragement to me. So, uh, with that, I want to get into the what I really want to talk about today, which is several things, and I have lots to talk about. So hopefully, this will be uh, a speedy episode. 
get you in and out of here uh, pretty quickly. Um, so what did I preach on? So this last week was the 14th of, of March, uh, and I am in the middle of two different sermon series, a uh, sermon series in the Sunday morning service and a sermon series in the Sunday evening service. Um, in the Sunday morning service, recently I have been going through uh, a series on the books of First and Second Kings, which has just been a fantastic. It's, it's been a fantastic exercise for me because I have never really honestly studied out these books and uh, to investigate what they mean and to examine them in such a way as to see Christ in them. Um, and so I have been so thoroughly moved by what I've been studying here at the beginning of this series. Um, I've just, I just did First Kings chapter three, and so if you remember First Kings chapter three, uh, this is the this is the sort of the chapter, <laughs> so to speak, where Solomon gets his wisdom. Uh, you know, he's met by God in a dream after making an, an extravagant offering uh, at the high place of Gibeon, and there God appears to him and offers him this sort of blank check offering, which is just amazing. And he says, ask whatever you uh, will, and I will give it to you. And of course, Solomon answers with, give me an understanding heart. Give me the ability to have wisdom and judgment and discernment when it comes to leading thy great people. And so there's this great moment where Solomon is asking for the wisdom of God. Um, and it's an incredible scene, uh, an incredible moment in Israel's history. Um, this is the inauguration of a king who is who is destined to bring in an, an era of peace. Solomon's name means peace, and you can see that very early on in his reign uh, as he's making treaties, making alliances, making business ventures <laughs> with other neighboring kingdoms. Uh, all sort of in the effort mainly to uh, stockpile resources and uh, furnish the uh, the the construction of the temple for Jehovah, and uh, but he's doing all of this early on in his reign, and it seems as though, uh, of course, that Solomon is you know, everything that Israel has ever hoped for, that uh, he is bringing everything together. He is the fulfillment of all the promises of God. He's the, quote, son of David, who is now sitting on this throne and sitting on it in such a way that Israel is at rest. He talks about that. I think it's in, uh, yeah, it's actually in chapter five. So I haven't gotten there yet, but uh, chapter five, uh, Solomon says, now the Lord, my God, hath given me rest on every side so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurrent. So he he realizes and Israel realizes that this is a time of, of great prosperity. Um, and this is important to note that we have to keep this chapter in what it, in, for, for, we have to read it for what it is. Chapter three is very much in the time period of Solomon's reign in which he is a positive figure. Uh, so often, and this is something I'm going to mention in some sermons coming up, um, just as we're examining Solomon's entire kingly reign, is that so often we use Solomon as a negative figure, as though his whole life is an object lesson to learn from. And I think that's true for most things. We can definitely learn a lot from from Solomon. We can definitely learn a lot, especially from the end of his life. Um, but sometimes we jump the gun a little bit, I think, and we, um, we, we don't 
we don't land the plane, so to speak, on the positiveness of Solomon's early reign in his honest devotion. If you read 1 Kings 3, he's honestly uh, devoted to leading God's people in God's ways. Uh, he is following the statutes of his father David. He is honestly devoting himself to um, uh, to the ways of the Lord, and he is trying to, I think he's trying his best to give Israel uh, the best that he can give them. And the, the way that he's able to do that is by praying for this wisdom from God. But I think one of the, the chief lessons for me, uh, as always, is to uh, see Christ in these pages. Um, and I think what is clear to me, and the, the, the point I was hoping and striving to make on Sunday, was that we don't just need someone who, quote, has the wisdom of God. Uh, we need someone who, quote, is the wisdom of God. Um, and, and this is an important point to make, because at the end of First Kings 3, it talks about how all of Israel hears this wonderful news of Solomon's judgment and the judgment with which he he has judged, and they feared him, and the, and everyone is flocking to him. We see this later on in chapter four and other places. People are flocking to Solomon's throne to hear of this great wisdom from this son of David. Um, and yet, to, we I think it's right to do this, even though, yes, even though what I just said is is to juxtapose this moment with the end of his life. Um, so it's it's amazing that he would even ask for wisdom. It's amazing that he would even have the gumption and the humility to do that. However, if you look at what he's asking for, and then you juxtapose it with the end of his life, which ends in such disarray and tragedy you realize that the one the wisest man who ever lived according to god <laughs> uh couldn't even be wise enough to save himself from himself uh he wasn't wise enough to uh be self-disciplined enough to keep himself in check uh and in, in, in his ultimate downfall is the fact that he wasn't wise enough to see that it was God alone who was giving him and gifting him all of these abundant blessings. The profuse wealth of Israel during Solomon's reign isn't because of Solomon's business ventures. Yes, in a practical way, perhaps, but ultimately it is owed to God uh, and God alone for these blessings. And even God says that. Uh, he promises him that because you haven't asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you these other things, riches, honor, standing, prestige, power, all those sorts of things. He's going to give him those. Um, it's precisely because of that humble request. And yet when we come to the end of his life, he's a jaded man who is, honestly, it's hard to see him as the wisest man who ever lived, only because of the decisions he makes, the decisions he has made, the way in which he has compromised. Um, in so we have this this sort of uh, void, you might say, this void of wisdom um, that is left behind after Solomon's decline. And the good news of the gospel then is that wisdom has come. 
that God's wisdom has come to die for your foolishness and mine, that as it says in Colossians 2 and 1 Corinthians 1, that Jesus is the wisdom of God and that he has come and he has come ultimately to die for our sins, but also too, he has come to fill the void of Solomon's uh, sort of unwisdom. He's sort of come to uh, be the true and better Solomon. Jesus himself says that in Matthew 12, that one greater than Solomon is now here, uh, referring to himself. Um, This is what is so wonderful about the gospel, is that it answers these predicaments, the predicaments of, of, of man's folly, the predicaments of man's ruin, uh, the gospel perfectly answers them. Uh, Even the predicament of wisdom that doesn't turn out to be so wise, God answers in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Um, This is the wonderful message I think that we can glean from 1 Kings, and I'm really excited to be studying this book and seeing Christ in all of its pages. Um, I've long been a champion, um, so to speak, of Christ in all of Scripture. In fact, one of my first sermons at Stonington was titled, All Scripture is Pure Christ, which is something Martin Luther has said in one of his sermons. And um, I hold to that, and now I'm being sort of put to the crucible, so to speak, to sort of prove that. <laughs> um, and I'm I, I, I'm excited to do that. I'm excited to say, okay, if all Scripture is pure Christ, how can we see Christ in Kings? Um, so I hope you'll join along. Make sure you subscribe to the Stonington Sermons podcast and catch up on all of the latest sermons that are happening at Stonington. Um, I encourage you to do, to do that. Hopefully, you'll be blessed by that. Um, and hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll stick around for, uh, the, the entire study on first Kings. I know, I, I pray you'll be blessed, uh, if, and when you do that. So, uh, that was my Sunday morning sermon and Sunday night, I continued my sermon series going through the letters of first Peter or excuse me, the letters of Peter. So I had finished up first Peter. Uh, I'm sort of in the uh, opening chapter of second Peter, uh, and specifically in the verses, which started to sound very law-driven. So there's this wonderful moment that happens in 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse 5 where he talks about giving all diligence to add to your faith a virtue, etc., etc. And he starts to add all of these sort of uh, add-ons to the Christian faith. And it seems as though he is delving into a very legalistic sort of um, sanctification by works sort of moment. But what is most interesting to me, at least, is that just prior to um, that moment where he's talking about all those things that to give and add unto your faith, all these things, there's a verse that says that he has already given unto you all of these things. He's already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. And so this is what we have to see, because he talks then also in verse 9, just about the fact that uh, not only have we been given everything, but so long as we don't see that wonderful gift of the gospel that gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness, we are walking as though we're blind. 
We're walking as though we've, we've forgotten that we've already been purged of all of our old sins. That's what he says in verse 9, which brings us to this wonderful, wonderful truth that I think is so important to the Christian life, is that the giving all diligence to add these things to our faith doesn't come by a series of checklists. It comes by remembering. He says in verses 12 through 15, he uses that word remembrance upwards of three times, and He's using it in such a way as to say, I want you to keep these things in your mind. I want you to keep these things at the forefront of your memory, at all of your thoughts. I want you to know for sure, for certain, that you have already been purged of your old sins. This is what he's talking about as he talks about the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who gives them the righteousness that comes from God. And this is the way that grace and peace are multiplied unto you. This is the way, as you remember, this is the way that you are diligent in the present to exemplify, to demonstrate these things, to demonstrate your faith by living virtuously and godly and temperately and self-controlled and patiently, all those things that he talks about. We Christians, we are diligent to remember that we've already been purged of all our old sins. This is what ushers us into a life of safety, a life of security, a life of peace. Not because we've feverishly checked some boxes, but because we have earnestly meditated, stewed, chewed, spent time remembering the good news of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of this one, this God and Savior, Jesus who's purged us from our old sins by he himself taking on and becoming our sin. This is the gospel. We are diligent to remember. This is counterintuitive to much of what we are familiar with and accustomed to, especially in a world that says we are the ones who forge and make our own destiny. Uh, But here, uh, Peter is, I think, saying that that's not true, that your, quote, destiny has already been given to you, and it's yours by faith. It's yours by faith and acceptance of what this work has already provided for you. Your hope of a, a a secure and eternal future is not up to you. It's up to a God who buys it by his blood. Your eternal future is bought by blood. And your sort of rest in that future is all about remembering that your future has already been bought and paid for. Uh, not by you but by someone greater than you, someone stronger than you, someone, yes, more capable than you. And his name is Jesus. His name is Messiah, the the King, the Savior, the Lamb of God who was promised to take away the sins of the world. And he's taken yours away. This, I think, is the struggle of faith. The struggle and the battle for our belief is in, is in believing that all these things are ours already in Jesus. So often we think I, uh, we, we think we have to work our way into them as though we can sort of achieve them and unlock them as though they're some sort of secret sort of achievement point or access point as though we're playing some Christianity video game. And so long as we're uh, leveling up in our Christian faith, then we are succeeding. You've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness already in Jesus. 
by faith that is yours, by faith that is the offering of the gospel. And so long as you don't see that, you are blind to the truth of the gospel, which is that Jesus has purged you from your old sins. So rejoice, celebrate, be and live victoriously because of this good news. I think that's what Peter's saying. Um, I'm very much um, grateful uh, for the message of First and Second Peter, and I'm really excited to continue teaching through uh, that book, especially Second Peter. It's been very impactful on me, uh, and I hope that it's been able to give you the assurance uh, for your faith that you uh, that you need, that you crave, perhaps. Uh, hopefully, you're encouraged by it. Hopefully, you'll listen to that sermon series too. I'm excited. I'm 13 uh, parts into that series, and I'm excited to see uh, how God uses that series to continue blessing folks. So um, really quick, before we take a break uh, and hear a word from our sponsor, I just want to share a book that I'm reading because uh, it relates to my sermon series on First Kings. I probably should have shared it when I was talking about that sermon. Um, but for my sermon series on First Kings, I'm reading a book, uh, a commentary on the on First and Second Kings, but it's uh, by Dale Ralph Davis. And so he has two books, um, put up by Christian Focus. They're really simple. Uh, and by simple, I don't mean that to be derogatory. <laughs> it's just simple in terms of scope and scale um, when it comes to uh, commentaries. But they are so impactful and so uh, insightful in terms of delineating the text and then coming away with uh, very many points of application, points of interpretation. Um, so I highly recommend if you're looking to study First Kings, if you want to kind of follow along with how I'm studying, then pick up these uh, First and Second Kings commentaries by Dale Ralph Davis. Uh, I think you'll be really glad that you did. Um, they are. It, it's been very helpful to me uh, to uh, have this book uh, at the ready uh, when I'm studying uh, various portions of scripture. So um, with that, I want to take a quick break, uh, share a word from the, this podcast's presenting sponsor. Do you like coffee? I know that you do, and that's why I want to tell you about Fresh Roasted Coffee. Fresh Roasted is a locally owned and operated coffee house right here in central Pennsylvania that is committed to providing the highest quality coffee on earth. They do so by sourcing only the freshest coffee beans and by using the most eco-friendly roasting technology in the world. Fresh Roasted's USDA certified organic coffee beans ensure that your coffee is consistently regulated at each stage of the production process and completely free of GMOs and harmful synthetic substances. Fresh Roasted Coffee roasts their beans per order with immediate packaging and shipping directly to your door, meaning that you get to experience fresh coffee at its peak drinkability. That's what I like. I was introduced to Fresh Roasted Coffee soon after moving to central Pennsylvania, and I'm so happy I was because I think it's literally the best coffee out there. Their Blackbeard's Revenge blend is out of this world good. Whether you use a regular drip coffee maker or a pour-over or a French press, however you get your coffee fix, make it fresh roasted. Go to the link in the notes for this show and use the offer code GRACE10 at checkout. That's offer code GRACE10 at checkout to get a discount on your next order. Now on to the rest of the show, um, I want to talk about several articles that I've been just 
chewing <laughs> or chomping at the bit, I should say, to share with you uh, and just kind of summarize, talk through. I'm not going to talk through all of them per se, or I'm not going to like talk through the whole article per se, but I just want to share these with you and tease them uh, to hopefully inspire you to read them too. Um, first up is an article by R. Scott Clark over on his blog, The Heidel Blog, uh, entitled, Of Luther, Limbaugh, and Losers. Relax, it's a joke. <laughs> um, this is a great piece. Uh, it's a retrospective by Clark on the figures of, 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 of history, Martin Luther and Rush Limbaugh. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, recently, uh, a couple weeks ago, of course, Rush Limbaugh tragically passed away after a long battle with cancer. Um, and I, of course, had a lot of thoughts um, only because I grew up and my dad was always listening to Rush Limbaugh and the EIB network and all of those things that Rush Limbaugh has started. Uh, I, I was never uh, a faithful listener to Limbaugh only because I'm not very political in terms of my entertainment choices. But um, I would say that I have a great deal of reverence for Rush and what he did and what he's done for sort of the race radio world, uh, that alone, but also for uh, the conservative world too, as just being this light and this beacon of truth a lot of times, even in the face of much animosity to things that he was saying, uh, to much vitriol for the the points that he was hoping and striving to make through his show. Um, and so I was greatly moved um when I heard the news that he had passed away. Um, but I never would have thought to compare Martin Luther and Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> and you might even be sort of uh, stirring in your seat at such a notion. Um, but I think if you read Clark's article, you'll find that their historical resonance is very similar, um, just in terms of their power for invective, uh, the power of the words uh, that they were able to sort of use. Perhaps I could even say weaponize in order to defend the truth, um, I think in a great way, they are very similar. Um, and uh, I think Clark kind of proves that. He shows that. Uh, he shows their dissimilarities and their similarities. So uh, really, I if you have ever been a fan of Martin Luther or ever been a fan of Rush Limbaugh or both, um, Definitely read that article. I think you'll be you'll be really moved by it. I think you'll 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 find a lot of benefit from it. Another article that I want to share is um, an article by Tom Holland over on Unheard uh, entitled Martin Luther Would Have Ruled Twitter. So again, keeping with our Martin Luther theme, um, this, uh, it, this article is essentially just a fascinating thought exercise that examines sort of Luther at the Diet of, of Worms or Worms um, as he's standing there sort of defending himself, so to speak. Um, and he, uh, Tom Holland, the great historian that he is, sort of delves into that moment to also see what would have made Luther such an expert at using a platform like Twitter. Uh, I'd have to definitely say along with Holland that I think it's definitively yes, that Luther's power again for invective, his power for using the word, uh, using language as a way of, of asserting power and asserting uh, sort of a, uh, almost this dominance over other people as a 
way to defend the truth, as a way to be convicted of something and to convict others of the same thing that I think this is, <laughs> it's, it's just funny to think of. It's funny to sort of, uh, just ponder this, 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 uh, this, uh, you know, 16th century Augustinian monk on Twitter, um, uh, he's already on Twitter in such a degree that, you know, people are using his words in that way. But I would love to know, uh, I would love to see what Luther would have done in his own words, so to speak, on such a platform uh, as one who was staunchly defending the truth. Uh, it would just be interesting. And uh, so I invite you to read that article. It's 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 not too long. Uh, Tom Holland is a very readable writer as well. Uh, so you'll, I think you'll enjoy that article uh, about Martin Luther ruling Twitter. I think it's uh, it's just a it's it's a fun article. I think you'll like it. Um, Next up, I want to share a little bit uh, from uh, an article by Jonathan Bales over at the Center for Pastoral the- for excuse me the Center for Pastor Theologians. Um, the Center for Pastor Theologians or the CPT is just a great center which uh, strives to. Uh, have thinking pastors, the theological pastors, that pastors that are not just uh, get up and preach pastors, but pastors that really seek to educate themselves on theological matters and um, uh, being those who are continually sort of delving and diving deeper into um, the things of God. And this is a great way to do that. Uh, they do that through very various ways. So well, right off the bat, you should definitely avail yourself of following along at the, at the Center for Pastor Theologians. But also, Jonathan Bales had a recent article called The Liturgy of the Guilty. Uh, the Liturgy of the Guilty is really just an article where he talks about uh, why uh, – I guess he, he, he answers sort of the why questions of a church's liturgical sort of formation. So depending on what type of background denomination that you are in, uh, you may or may not have a very robust sort of working knowledge of, of liturgy, of liturgy itself or anything like that. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that that's usually how it goes. Um, And I would say that um, it's important, though, that as Jonathan sort of delineates, is is it's spiritually healthy to revolve the church's liturgy around the church's guilt, which is a really interesting thing to think about. But this is sort of what his words are saying, which is that, well, let me just read his words. He says, Christian liturgy reminds us that we are sinners, but this is not a result of morbid or gloomy introspection. It is simply what is required if we are to speak truthfully truthfully about ourselves. And in the process, our liturgical acts of confession keeps us from from the much worse prospect of thinking incessantly about the sins of others. And I think this is a really important point that he makes here is that when we are constantly, and perhaps not constantly, but very powerfully reminded about our own sins, it keeps us from thinking, as he says there, constantly about the sins of others. But it also thinks, it also brings to mind the very fact that those who confess their sins are those who are uplifted by the fact that Jesus loves them in their sins and forgives them of their sins. It reminds them of Jesus's absolution for the guilty when we are therefore reminded of our guilt. And 
I think this is all the whole point of liturgy is to remind us of the atoning work of Jesus Christ, to remind us of the abundance of hope and confidence uh, the church can have uh, because of Jesus. Um, and there's no better way to do that than by reminding ourselves uh, that we are sinners and that Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. He's come to seek and to save those who are sick with sin and to redeem them from it and bring them to repentance. Uh, that's Christian liturgy. Uh, and that's why, as Jonathan says, that's why it's so important. Um, uh, go read that article. I think it's uh, really, really, really beneficial, uh, one that you will greatly be moved um, uh, moved by. Uh, lastly, really quick, uh, and I'm, knowing, I'm going through these quick, but uh, these articles are so good that I didn't want to just like summarize them and give uh, only my paragraphs. I want you to go read them. Uh, they're so good, but especially this last one. Uh, it's by Dr. Owen Strahan over on Reformanda uh, entitled Christian Pe- Preaching and Public Health on Faithful Puritans and Our Fiery Trial. Um, the lessons from this article, which I'll summarize in just a moment, are lesson number one, read anything and everything you can from Dr. Strahan. <laughs> um, he is an amazing writer, an amazing thinker, an amazing theologian, and he has a lot uh, to to add to anyone's sort of walk, anyone's sort of faith, anyone's sort of deepening knowledge of Christ, he can add a lot to that conversation. But also lesson number two, these quote unprecedented times that we are living through aren't really that unprecedented, so to speak. Um, You've perhaps no doubt heard me uh, opine the use of that word unprecedented a lot uh, because it's just been used uh, almost too much, I think. Um, but I think what – so what he does here, what Dr. Strahan does in this article is he sort of compares and I think proves quite admirably that the present state of the church that that we are now enduring, uh, especially with the ongoing saga of, of – these governmental restrictions that are growing ever tight, ever tighter, uh, and he, he he shows how it's so reminiscent of 1660s Puritanism in uh, the United Kingdom. Um, and he compares just how uh, their stand for truth is the very same that that we ought to be inspired to make a stand for, which is the truth of the words of Christ, which is the gospel. This is what takes precedence over any and everything else. Really what he's doing is he's articulating a lot of truth regarding the the recent scenario with Dr. James or with uh, James Coates, the pastor in Canada who was arrested uh, at the time of this podcast. He has been released of his charges. uh, He's been cleared of them. And so it looks like he's going to be released from jail. Um, But it's interesting to note how many are saying that, I think think rightly so, that this stand that Coates has just been through for the truth of the gospel, for the sake of the church, is one that ought to be uh, sort of in inspirational in terms of our own uh, stands for the words of God. And so hopefully uh, you'll be able to be encouraged by that. But really read this article. Uh, Dr. Strahan really just nails, he nails it. He nails the truth of the word. He nails uh, what it means to be um, a 
a, a, a pastor and preacher in a time in which, you know, you, <laughs> uh, that in a time in which, you know, you are being sort of sold some other message, a time in which you're being told that you need to compromise, that you need to sort of fold uh, on the truth. Uh, Dr. Strahan says, no, uh, you stand, you stand even in the fiery trial. So uh, I've been really moved by these articles. I've been really blessed to just be chatting with you again. Hopefully, Next week, um, I'll be able to come back with you with another another episode, do a week, uh, get back to sort of a weekly routine of just talking and sharing and uh, thinking out loud about what the what God's word says, number one, but also what uh, God's gospel uh, announces to us and how it informs our everyday living. Um, I pr- that's what I'm hoping to do through this podcast. So hopefully you'll stick around. Hopefully you'll be inspired by uh, much of what I have for you here. Uh, I've been so thankful uh, for you. Uh, I'm thankful for this uh, sort of space that I've been allotted to just think out loud. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for listening. This is the Ministry Minded Podcast. I pray that you've been blessed by this episode. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe. You can find the Ministry Minded Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and I appreciate all of your support, all of your encouragement, all of your notes of prayer and blessing. So I'll see you on the next episode. Uh, have a blessed day. God bless you.